Thank you to our friends from the circus for that wonderful music. Welcome to a brand new episode of Airtime, a basketball podcast from the minds of two currently very relieved basketball fans. My name is Vikram. Hey guys, this is Nishrit. If you guys are new or old, you can catch us wherever you get your podcast: Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Castbox, etc. Now, Nishrit, would you mind telling the good folk why we're feeling relieved? Because we came very close to yet again having a stoppage and not actually being able to start and complete the NBA season, which would have been super, super sad. I mean, at that point, I would have just wished that it didn't start at all because then it's like giving me a taste and a flavor, getting me excited, and then just sort of ending it right after that. Yeah, share ke mumek hoon aage, right, Nishit? I don't know what that means, but yes. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. That's why I said it. <laughs> but yeah, you're completely right, man. The fall so would have been devastating, but it's not it's not like the NBA paused for for nothing, right? There was good enough reason for do that and wh- why don't we just share our own thoughts here? So essentially what ended up happening was that there there was firstly the NBA season starting up, the bubble starting up did not only depend on the COVID pandemic, but also the the social justice movement that's going all across the USA with the Black Lives Matter movement and very close to um you know the hearts of these players who were there we we saw Jalen Brown just on the streets protesting actually drove all the way from Boston to uh, Georgia just so that he could you know be on the front lines and protest and stuff like that and that was a big big reason why there there was going to be this, there, there was this dark cloud hanging over the restart we remember we all remember that Kyrie Irving zoom call or phone call or whatever it was where he supposedly was urging players not to come to the bubble not to come for the restart so that they could show solidarity with the movement so even after all of that you know when we did end up re, uh, restarting and the NBA for for what it's worth played its part i mean adam silver has been pretty good in terms of listening to players listening to the association and stuff so so they wanted to use the platform so that they could you know just spread the new, spread the message across and and use the platform for a positive impact and then there was another crucial shooting because of which uh, which which happened in uh, wisconsin which is the milwaukee state so that that happened just before the milwaukee bucks game and those guys ended up just boycotting the game and uh, that that had this ripple effect where essentially the nba was paused all the games for the next 2 or 3 days were postponed and during those 2 or 3 days nishad it was very touch and go man like every hour there was some something new in terms of an update or news that was coming out of the bubble where uh it would just swing wildly where you know one thing you'd hear was like yeah they're going to cancel it everyone's going to boycott and then the other side was yeah we're going to figure out how to restart and eventually they did restart so that was that was a uh, pretty touch and go there man yeah and i think i mean obviously the reason they're doing it makes complete sense the nba uh, throughout as a even as a sports organization and and a league has always been more for the players i feel uh, i think even as we've seen the numbers they have the most representation when it comes to sort of uh, other communities and black players and black owners you know managers coaches all of that so i think the nba always has been a little bit more uh, sensitive about that and has tried to do their bit uh, so i guess it is expected that we would see something like this happen um and you know the players coming back to play was actually contingent on a lot of things right it was contingent on this the the teams doing more uh to sort of uh break the uh to to sort of break the you know the racial tension and issues that are happening and i guess what happened after the restart is that the players felt even though you know the the message is writing is written everywhere even though they're able to write that on their jerseys they felt maybe they still weren't able to contribute as much as they could have because nothing changed right uh, nba season restarted and right after that you know another such incident uh, happened again 
And I mean, I think that just made a lot of players feel like the platform that they had, even though they felt it was to disseminate this information, maybe wasn't having the desired impact. And I think that's why they again decided to, to stop playing. And this one was quite sudden. I think uh, the buck sort of came out. No, no other team knew and they uh, decided not to play right then and there. Uh, they gave a statement uh, on on the right like right before the game and they decided not to play and that sort of reverberated across all NBA games and then eventually across all sports because uh, WNBA games didn't happen tennis came to a halt uh, MLB many MLB games the players did play uh, the teams didn't play NHL again it was sort of 50-50 first day some played second day again there was a lot of uh, players who didn't play in the NFL maybe team many team practices were called off so the NBA again was sort of the bellwether and the and and the guys who sort of you know did the initial bit but then it sort of carried across all sports yeah i mean i guess the NBA also because it was not 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 throwing shade at the MLB, but it was like that biggest league, which was full swing started. Uh, MLB just kicked off, um, uh, and they 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 stopped. I think what was crucial was uh, these guys apparently had like every player in the bubble was invited to these player meetings, where uh, which were kind of just you know being headed by these senior vets and Chris Paul, who's the president of the NBA Players Association. And uh, it was very touch and go. Apparently, LeBron walked out of a meeting one day because he was super enraged. Um, and he was like, we're not going to play. So the rest of the Lakers followed him out and all of Clippers followed him out. And they were actually ready to cancel the season. And um, I think good sense prevailed by the end of it because uh, apparently Jalen Brown was 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 a big voice uh, during these meetings. And he had a very good point. He said that, listen, we we can cancel, we can play, we can do whatever we want essentially because we are the power here and... Uh, we want to recognize that for the good, right? So, so his question that he posed to all the other players was that: Listen, if this if the season does get cancelled, what are you going to do? Are you going to just go home and be with your families, or are you going to spend that time on the front lines, protesting peacefully and and making a change, making a difference? And I think that resonated a lot with a lot of these players, and they kind of they kind of did realize that we are probably better suited playing and. St- and and talking about the issue and and helping it progress as opposed to just going home and then you know like everyone together um the 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 famous quote from planet of the apes apes together strong so essentially just you know coming together i think sh- i think that might be a little bit racist that's not it's 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 <laughs> said by an ape and, and it it makes sense like in unity don't 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 try to don't try to throw racism at me right now and um i think i think that's what worked out for these guys and it makes sense and adam silver uh all, all the players especially you know they say they say they said it a lot over the past two three years that he listens and he wants to help it's not like you know it's nba versus the nbpa it's it's all one community it's all one organization and they want to have one message so uh, I guess the players felt that, you know, writing these social messages on their jerseys and, and, and you know, using the media and using the court and all of that is not enough. There, there needs to be more. So they, they put their heads together. They came up with measures. They came up with uh, um, measures beyond the basketball court. So, for example, I think one of the organizations they set up is to help communities which have a predominant black population, African-American population, or which are not... Uh, essentially people who are not as aware, who are not educated enough to vote. Um, they've, they've set up some organization that can help these guys, you know. So essentially have positive impact outside of the basketball court and not just statements and and uh, and essentially messages, but but actual tangible output. So 
that that's what's come out of it and uh, I, I would also assume the other thing was that uh, you know they all sort of team owners have pledged that all basketball stadiums can be used as voting centers and and areas for voting. yeah right i think i think you know the, the nba pa I, I keep calling it the nba pa sorry it's weird it's the nba pa the the players association wouldn't have given a go ahead to this restart um given how given how angry these guys were if the measures that the nba proposed and the and the owners proposed were not to their liking or or not satisfactory enough right so um i think i think overall it led to uh, a positive outcome uh, which is great to see because if this was the nfl or you know if 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 you guys remember colin kaepernick in 2016 he tried to do something similar except he was just one person and this is the entire league but that was that was like a precursor and uh, it's good to see that this positive outcome has come out of it as opposed to something that's negative or toxic or or puts two organizations you know just butting heads against each other uh, i'm just trying to allude to donald trump and roger goodell versus the rest of the nfl but it it's good to see that this has happened and i'm happy and i'm happy basketball is back for the right reasons and that's the most important thing and my oh my basketball is back cuz post this mini restart i think all each and every game each and every minute of each and every game has been uh it's just it's just been so satisfactory man i'm so relieved i'm so happy the nba is back and it's back with a bang cuz we're seeing some really good basketball i don't know if i'm biased because i haven't seen basketball for so long but it feels to me that this is probably the best second round playoff basketball i've seen in a long long time So here's a question we are saying that we've been watching the games I thoroughly enjoyed the games the game sevens we've had have just been amazing I think we've had a lot of really good really close games but even then I think going along with it a lot of people are saying and we're seeing that the rating and total viewership of uh, the NBA is lower than it has been we know it's been going down for the last few years but this year's even has gone even lower specifically after the restart as opposed to before uh and a lot of people i know donald trump said this as well uh, but a lot of people are basically saying has the nba become too political and do we feel that that has hampered at least a large amount of the public's uh, view of the game and and that's why they're watching it less yeah dude it's it's really weird yeah i was looking at these numbers when you mentioned it as well and it's a little surprising to see the the rating so low i would have assumed that just because nba was the the first biggest American sport that had uh, restarted I thought that there would be a massive massive spike in this uh, in the viewership but it was very surprising to see these numbers come in and kind of consistently just hold which is which was the most surprising thing for me I would expect that to have grown you know because a lot of these games initially were being played like early afternoon or mid afternoon which uh, a lot of NBA fans aren't really used to they they're used to seeing like evening games and and games at night and stuff like that so I thought that would have contributed to it but it hasn't really picked up to the level that i expected it to yeah and i think a lot of i mean there are, there are many factors like you said you know the the games are being played a lot earlier than they used to um maybe i don't know maybe people have gone the other way where they've been without sports so long they've got used to not watching it although i can never imagine that um but then a large number of people are saying it's because it's become more political there's a lot more of that and then you know many people pose the question i mean i think a good question for us to discuss is you know is sports just so supposed to be about that should it just be sports and nothing else on what's going on around us or are sports stars and athletes you know should they have a voice and take up the causes that mean the most to them because you know they do have a platform that's that's greater than you or i or I mean, most other people in the world 
And do they try to use that for good or is it that, hey, you know what, sports is just entertainment for the masses and don't uh, sort of put other things outside of it, uh, don't mix that together? I think that's a really tough it's a really tough ask, man. It, it obviously completely depends what's happening in the world. But if we look at this particular example, um, the NBA today in the USA, right? And the injustices being faced by uh, the African-American community. And like you mentioned earlier in the episode as well, a predominant population of the NBA players being of uh, the African-American community, it's it's unreasonable to ask them to ignore everything that's happening. Fine, Um a 2016 where a Colin Kaepernick only feels that uh, the injustices are, are paramount and need to be focused on and wants to peacefully protest using the biggest platform that is provided to him. It's not it's not selfish at all. It's the most selfless thing that he could be doing, right? He sacrificed his own career. But the the level at which it's gotten now and the momentum it's it's gathered and a lot of these NBA players just, you know, they'd be, they'd be paying mil- millions and millions of dollars a year. So they feel a certain responsibility to their own society, to their own community as well. So it's impossible for us to ask them to not focus on any of that. It's just human nature. It There's something that's inescapable about it that has to be done. So I, I totally understand it. Um, I totally understand uh a lot of people who lean the other way when it comes to politics and and generally just uh, you know just patriotism or whatever the reasoning they have to then further go on and boycott the NBA. I that's I agree with you. I I feel like that's the only reason this is happening because everything else goes against logic um, in terms of the numbers we're seeing for the NBA. So I I don't know what it is, but I don't I don't see the point of of of. You know, the whole generalization that sports is sports and keep it away. Fine. It's kept away for the most part. But in an instance like this, in this particular situation, I I don't see how that's going to happen. Yeah, I agree with you. And also a few other points, right? I mean, obviously, after Trump said it, Trump said it, a lot of places have come out to sort of cite that. But I don't think the numbers are accurate. Uh, overall, TV viewership is down 14%. So that does have something to do with it. And what's interesting is at least... The second restart, right? The viewership before the second uh, the second stoppage and the restart afterwards didn't really have much of a difference. So if it was just political, then you would assume that even more people would drop off after that sort of second stoppage. But that hasn't happened. And we have seen some games that have done really well. For example, the Nuggets and the Jazz, that was the highest, most watched program in that evening for every adult male demographic, right? The, the games happened on Tuesday night. So you are seeing spikes where people are coming back. I think maybe just the viewership patterns have changed. COVID's changed a lot of things. This must be one of it. And also, you know, a few polls have gone around in the US of, of people feeling that it's become too political and not wanting to watch. And we see a much larger skew towards Republicans saying this, right, and not wanting to watch the NBA, which maybe, given everything else that ha- that's happening politically, makes sense. I personally feel, uh, you know, sports are a reflection of culture and of society. And basketball is, more so than any other sport, right? Yeah, I agree. Basketball more so than any other sport. And for it to keep having that place, uh, it needs to stand up for things like this where the players, and again, basketball is probably one of the, 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 the sports in the league where the players have some of the most power and are paid the most. Uh, I think it is important for them to stand up and to uh, you know speak for things that are going wrong and try to enact change. Uh, so I'm completely on there. If a few percentage of viewership does drop, I mean, I think you just take that. It's all for the greater good. Hundred percent, dude. And and look at it this way, right? It's not as if it's it's one team or one player or or it's the Bucks who boycotted the game, the the team with the best uh, record. It's the Lakers and the Clippers who walked out of that meeting. So these guys, like 
they're united and whether it's lebron or it's a rookie on this team or that team if it's if it's a white player if it's a european player if it's an african but they're all united and it's unstoppable the move the force the power these guys have when they're united at to this extent it's unstoppable so to me it's also the case of adam silver kind of didn't have a choice here right but i'm glad that that's the situation because i also personally feel that everything that's happening in the states and obviously i mean there are other issues world over there are a lot of issues in india as well but i mean whatever gets tackled gets tackled it's good man it's only good for everyone it's only good for uh, general conscious as a whole so i'm glad that this happened and uh, if if people feel otherwise and if it results in a slight drop um, in, in the viewership like you said i don't think it really matters to these guys they're more than happy to to take that hit there including the nba and adam silver just so that you know there's there's something that comes out of it because of what we spoke about that that nba is the one that's that's tied into society and culture the most especially american society and american culture so whenever things like these happen we saw a little bit a little precursor to this when uh, when we had the whole china controversy in preseason right uh, there was there was a mixed messaging coming out of the nba but like darren mori from the houston rockets is tweeting about uh, uh the injustices to to uh, residents of hong kong but then lebron james has gone there just cuz his commercial appeal in china is so high so there was a little that was a little touch and go i feel like instances like these will help unify uh, and create this uniform outlook from the nba as well as the players in terms of uh, just how they tackle social injustices and this is this is case number 1 i think it's going to be ground zero and starting here i think hopefully all sports will follow we saw that sports kind of followed as well mlb which to me personally i thought is a league that is um uh, the most the most uh, uh, the least aligned to the social justice movement or any social justice movement in general i thought they would have not paused their season but the fact that they immediately paused their season as well the wnba the nfl stopping practice i think america as 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 a whole is getting more and more united so I'm totally on for this. I'm totally done for this. I'm glad it happened and I'm glad basketball came back as well. So win-win in all on all accords, man. Yeah, so now well at least basketball is back uh, on the back of all of this. We're seeing some uh, great playoffs and I think this is a good time for us to look back at our bracket and see how we fared. Uh, let's do it. I'm dreading this, but let's do it. All right. So, um I'll I'll go, man. Let's talk about the West first. Uh we had uh I had the Lakers coming through that Lakers and Blazers series. Uh it's kind of a no-brainer there, which uh I think that's something I need to address really quickly before we move on. Um uh, we gave uh we we gave a scathing assessment of LeBron James in the last episode and uh, the biggest question that we posed was is the is the 40 burger LeBron gone who single-handedly takes his team, you know, to all the next rounds cuz by from what we'd seen in those two or three games uh he he was kind of not there he was doing the lebron uh he we we saw the lebron from the regular season where he was assisting play and stuff like that more and it kind of felt like anthony davis or nothing in terms of this team's results but that lebron immediately came back we saw i think playoff lebron just uh, took a there was a little inertia he just took a little time to get kick started but i think i think he just heard that uh, that <laughs> he just he just heard that podcast of ours and he was like what are you talking about because it was a very next game like right after yeah, it was a very next game and the game after that i think he went 38 and 40 or something like that and yeah. uh, decimated the blazers no chance i mean the blazers also man were super knocked up there was no zack collins and dame was playing with a basically a dislocated finger cj mccollum was playing with a broken back 
uh, Nurkic was... And I mean, they were playing the same seven players for every game for like 40 minutes a game. So. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was really tough. Yusuf Nurkic had lost his grandmom to COVID, I think a game or so before that. So that that team was distraught and destroyed. And, uh, and of course, LeBron, the 40-burger LeBron came back. So Lakers come through. Um, we, we had the Nuggets and Jazz... Essentially, I I picked this wrong. You so, had the Nuggets and Jazz. <laughs> I had the Rockets and Jazz. You you had the Rockets and Jazz. So essentially, what's going to happen there is the Rockets and Thunder, which was what a series, by the way, Nishad. I mean, I, I have I have no, I have nothing to talk about. I just want to talk about Dort. I don't even know how to pronounce his first name. Leguets, Leguets, Let's just call it Leguets. Leguets Dort, man. The guy has James Harden's number and. That series should not have gone to a seven-game series, especially before it started. We would have not predicted it to be a seven-game series. And a seven-game series to be decided by the last play in the last millisecond of the seventh game. I mean, uh, we we had Dort drop 30 points. We had Dort kind of tie down uh, James Harden. But James Harden comes up clutch when it matters, blocks Dort in the last play so that uh, the Rockets go through. This Rockets team is now going to play the Lakers. And... The way they played, I think the Lakers are just going to steamroll them. Uh, James Harden needs to wake up. Russell Westbrook needs to wake up. The, this team as a whole needs to wake up, start making their threes, which is their basically their entire offense. And uh, uh, that that's the only way they have any shot against the Lakers. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree. So, we talk about Dort sort of stopping James Harden now. And a lot of people say that, well, you know, James Harden still averaged nearly 30 points per game and 8 assists per game and shot 46% from, from the field. But the thing is, this is James Harden. You know, in a, in a playoff series, this is the man who's averaged 36 points per game in the regular season. If you can get it down to just 30 points in, in, a, in a playoff series, that's great. But I think more important than that, what this did was that it allowed the Thunder to not have to double-team Harden so much, right? It's not that without being double-teamed, he would have gone for 40. So Dort was actually able to play him straight up. I mean, I saw the games where he was going through three straight screens and still staying up with Harden, so Harden had a contested shot. And I think that the, the strain that he took away from the rest of the team to play defense is a bigger impact than what we'll end up seeing in the numbers. Um, so yeah, it was, it was great seeing the way he did. But, uh, going to, uh, you know, the Lakers versus Rockets. So I actually got, at least the winner I got right. So for me, my bracket still has Lakers versus Rockets. So I get, uh, both those points. Um, but, uh, in that, we saw the struggle that the Rockets had even with Steven Adams when, when he got the ball properly. Most of their work was done around ball denial to make sure he didn't even get it. But when he did, he was able to do a great job. Uh, and the Lakers are a different beast. I mean, they are so much bigger. They're, and they're bigger with players who are skillful, right? Yeah. I mean, you've got Anthony Davis who can guard all the way from the five to the, to the three, if not the two. Um, obviously, you've got uh, Javel McGee or Dwight Howard who are, who are big center. Then you've got LeBron who could also guard the biggest yeah. player. I, actually, I think every player on the Lakers is nearly bigger than the, than the Rockets' tallest player. Yeah, and I they're all Covington, pretty athletic. Covington comes close to a bunch of Laker players, but that's pretty much it. But I hear you, man. I think their Rockets are... This is going to be the true test of small ball, right? Uh, Rockets actually, like you mentioned, he was scoring... Uh, James Harden was scoring 30 points a game. But they were overall so inefficient that those 30 points came with a, a 20-30% efficiency level. So that's that's not going to do any damage to the Lakers. So I think Lakers series is going to be the true, true test of small ball. 
and the only way rockets have a slight chance of winning is if if they're highly efficient if they're making all their threes and they're just if that's happening then they're spreading the floor which means all five of them are on the perimeter and that's the only way you're going to actually stop that lakers team because otherwise if the lakers these tall guys end up playing zone on you and you're not converting your threes no chance yeah agreed i mean the, the rockets were jacking up more than 53 the game but again with the the lakers are going to get a lot more re- rebounds than the Thunder did. And again, the Lakers' big men are skilled, right? Anthony Davis. I, I think the Lakers might even just play Anthony Davis at the five, sort of match it. And then all five Lakers can shoot threes as well. So Totally doable. Totally plausible. And, uh, you know, have like a Caruso or, or, or someone else in there. Maybe play two, uh, two or three guards just so that you could just space the floor and just put them on the perimeter. Have LeBron run the ball and just AD doing imagine ad posting up who's going to stop him pj tucker yeah, i don't i don't know <laughs> pj tucker against anthony davis i mean all the respect to pj tucker he's one of those he's one of those smaller guys who can guard one through five which is a very very hard thing to do but if you're five is anthony davis i mean best of luck dude yeah i mean i i definitely see the lakers being able to take this one quite easily but so far the playoffs have surprised us so i guess uh we'll see yeah what, what lies ahead i think everything's been a surprise we'll we'll talk about that why don't we move on to the next series we had uh, clippers going up against the Mavs, and both of us had the clippers winning this but the manner in which the the Mavs fought back and this is without christopher zingas for most of the basically the entire series and uh, i think luca playing on a bad ankle for two of those games as well the last two games I mean, the guy can do a lot, dude, but it, it, there's a limit to what he can achieve alone on his own, just solo playing. And we saw that limit against this Clipper series, right? Yeah, we did. I mean, I think there are a few seminal players who come through who are able to literally take a team on their back. Now, when I say take a team on the back, I don't mean, you know, beating a, a mediocre team, right? There are many great players in the NBA who can sort of carry the scoring and beat a mediocre team. But carrying a team on your back to beat one of the best teams in the league, like the Clippers who are that deep, which is exactly what uh, Luca did in that game four. That was just, I mean, that showed me like how high his ceiling truly can be. You know, he went 43, 13 and 17. So that's 43 points, 13 assists, 17 rebounds. And just the way he plays, the way he scores, I think you mentioned this before, it just seems so easy. He's not, it doesn't look like he's incredibly athletic. I don't understand why he's that good. He's not the best three-point shooter. He's just got great basketball IQ. He knows what to do at the right time. And he's and he's and, really strong. Like, he can push anyone around if he wants to. And which, he's really strong. He's 6'7". Yeah. I mean, you obviously mean he's a big guy. And he's only 21. So, and now he's got a taste of the playoffs. First of all, he's he's played this this level of tournaments before. So, he wasn't like any other person in their first playoffs. He knew what to do. He was a leader from the minute he stepped on the floor. And it just... Shows me, I think, I think the Mavericks are in a good place for the next few years. Uh, this was a tough series for them to play, but I think they should be sort of happier going away from it because they've seen what Luca can do in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and if they get maybe one more player, uh, this is going to be a scary team and Luca's going to be an insane player. 100%, dude. And I saw this recent interview by Mark Cuban as well. I mean, the fact that Luca was up for the most improved player after the season he had last season. It's just just imagine if he has that sort of a jump by next season. I think he's single-handedly could have stopped this Clippers team. The only reason the Clippers actually came through was the last two games, which are the decider games. Paul George kind of woke up and he spoke about, you know, how in the bubble he was he had he had mental health issues. He was he was, you know, feeling a little low and depressed and he was feeling anxious and stuff like that. So that took a little time for him to overcome. And when he did, like he came good in the fifth game and and, and the last game as well to close out. And the game where Christoph Porzingis got injured, I mean, there's a good case to be made that if Porzingis wouldn't have gotten injured, they were on road to winning that game as well. 
So, you know, just just throwing so much bad luck Luca's way as well. I mean, George waking up is not bad luck, but it's just, you know, all of these factors. Luca, if he improves even 50 to 60% um, to the level that he improved f- uh, from last season to this season, I think it's going to be terrifying. And if Porzingis manages to keep himself injury-free during the during the fag end of the season, the business end of the season, this, this match team is going to be a scary, scary proposition come playoff time, 100%. Anyway, so that's that's what we have lined up. Uh, both Nishrit and I have the Lakers and Clippers coming through with, in these series, so that uh, there's going to be a Lakers Clippers all LA oh, Western one, Conference one final. One series we didn't talk about though was the Nuggets. Uh, uh, was the Nuggets and the Jazz? Of course. I mean, you mean uh, Murray versus Mitchell, right? Murray versus Mitchell. No one else kind of played there, right? Jokic kind of played the last game a little bit, but he was he was the last game was the one that threw me off the most because so let, so, let me let me just tell you how important it is that you saw you said Jokic played a little bit. The man averaged twenty six points and eight rebounds a game. But doesn't compared matter. to but doesn't compared matter. to the fifty point <laughs> games that were coming by these two players, yeah. It was just, it was insane. It was absurd. I think this is the best duel I've ever seen unfold in front of me. And uh, statistically as well, I know it's it's high up in terms of uh, the number of times these guys cost the 40-point mark within the same series. It's Yeah, I mean, Murray went, went 50, 42, 50, right? And that that was his, and, and in those and then Donovan Mitchell scored over fifteen in, in the first one of that as well. And these two guys have been playing against each other since high school. I think they played each other in AAU, so they've seen each other's game and carrying that over to the highest stage possible uh, and continuing that rivalry. It was just it was just so much fun to watch. It it was really sad when we saw sort of you know how uh, Donovan Mitchell uh, sort of reacted to that at the end. He was obviously really sad because he yeah. put all his all in. But I think. Those are the kind of series and those are the kind of matchups that really make you love this game. Hundred percent, dude. And I think uh, for the Jazz as well, there's a it 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 pushes you as an organization to think. Now, if you can't get through a series when when your star player is playing at that level, there's a lot of uh, restructuring. There's a lot of moving pieces that you need to add to your team to make it better because it's kind of an eye opener, right? If this would have been any other series, Jazz would have come through. It's just. There was someone like Mitchell who was matching him bucket for bucket at the other end. And that's the only reason it got nullified. And even that, like when it reached like game seven, I think it's an eye opener for the Jazz. They need to they need to sort their stuff out because no matter how good you are in the regular season, were you second, third, fourth, fifth or sixth or seventh playoffs, playoff time, it doesn't really matter because it, it, it's, it's as if you're playing a new team. So I think that's one thing the that's a big takeaway for I, the Jazz. I actually, have a, I actually have a different take on that. Okay. When it started, I thought the Jazz were going to be a lot worse because they were looking like they weren't looking themselves. They weren't looking that good at the end and they lost their second highest scorer. So I was actually pleasantly surprised by how they performed against the Nuggets. I didn't think they'd be that good. And... Uh, I mean, again, Mike Conley just came back around then. Uh, they they didn't have they they didn't have Bogdanovich, so it was they didn't have the second best scorer. Their the point guard was just coming back, and even then, being able to make like most people had written the Jazz off before they even started. So I think the Jazz really fought and definitely ex- exceeded my expectations of them in the series. Yeah, I think that's a good point about Bogey. I, I to- to- totally slipped my mind there. So that makes sense, but I still think there's something else, man, that this team needs to do. Rudy Gobert is is not a potent. Um, offensive threat you know just given that guy's size and the position he occupies on the floor and for him not to be your go-to person or even your second like go-to option when it comes to offense that's that's a that's a big handicap in today's NBA especially right when because of the advent of three points we've discussed this before like the points per game is so much higher that to have someone on the floor who's only going to give you maybe like a 10 or a 12 
fine, he'll grab 20, 20,000 rebounds a game and he'll block everything that comes in his way. You still need something more on the offensive end from Goldbears. And it's it's fine. Like, even with Bogey, I, I wouldn't call this team a playoff contender, right? They'd probably make it to the round, the semifinals. Best case, they'll make it to the conference finals, but you don't see them going through um, that. And I think that's going to be playing in Mitchell's mind as well because all of these guys want to compete. All of these guys want to win their championships. Uh, but coming back to this series, uh, the most surprising thing for me was Game 7. I completely ex- expected a pedal to the metal, just just like balls to the wall NBA basketball game, especially between Murray and Mitchell. But it kind of turned out to be a whimper with, uh, I think Jokic ended up it, scoring the highest. It's like, no, it's like people finally remember how to defend. That was some great defense played that game. I like watched that game and I'm like, ah, so players can still defend. <laughs> Yeah, so so that was that was I think our easily our favorite uh, uh, series from the first round, and uh, like I mentioned, now it's set up as we think it's going to be a Lakers Clippers finals, and let's see how um, Lakers and Rockets pans out, as well as Nuggets and Clippers. Nuggets and Clippers, I don't think is going to be that close. Lakers and Rockets is, I mean, it completely depends on the Rockets. And uh, yeah, that's that's the Western check-in. Now let's look at the Eastern stuff, man. All right, yeah. So looking at the East, um, I think, well, I think I did a bit better in the East. Uh, I think we both did great on the East. I think we both got all the points uh, on the East uh, for going to the semifinals. Um, I think the Bucks beating the Magic, there wasn't uh, much there. They lost the first game, but still were able to come back uh, and, and go to the next round. And then the Raptors had a pretty uh, easy go with the uh, with with the Nets as well. No, um, no one's going to have an easy go on the Nets anymore, bro. Oh yeah, because Steve Nash is joining as head coach. I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, I'm super excited because I love I've always loved Steve Nash, but the guy has like zilch coaching experience. The only experience he has is uh, that consultant stint he did with uh, the Warriors. So I have no idea what to expect. I'm just excited that he's a part of just the NBA coaching lineup. I mean, I think the thought is that the leadership that he showed on the floor translates well to coaching. And I think most coaches that we've seen who've been players before tend to have been point guards or shooting guards. So Yeah, and, and I like, think, uh, you know, you you very rarely do you see a very high-profile player um, um, translate that to like a high-profile coaching job, unlike football. But just watching Steve Nash and the way he played and, and you know, like just listening to his interviews and just just observing him he he's definitely a very high iq basketball player right so that kind of stuff translates well to coaching wouldn't for sure. he be the first mvp to become a head coach i don't uh, know if uh, Kareem like was ever a head coach or oh, larry bird was a coach or was he just a manager no he was a coach as well he was yeah, then he yeah, went on yeah. to the front office i think uh, i want to say bill russell was the coach uh, uh, he was a coach player for the boston celtics especially his last few years so I don't think that might be true, but uh, for a long time, I haven't seen like such a high-profile player become a coach. And it's very interesting the way they've set it up because they're still retaining their coach uh, uh, from the season. The, uh, they had a great run in the restart as well. So it's not like he'll be you know, just left alone, hang there to dry. And also during his consultant stint with the Warriors, he apparently developed a great relationship with Kevin Durant, which uh, which we know how beneficial that could be. It just, I guess, Kyrie Irving kind of needs to listen to someone who I think is a better point guard than he was. So I don't know what to what what to think here. I'm just super excited that he's a part of this mix. Yeah, that should definitely be fun to watch uh, next season. Um, so yeah, so Raptors, I think both picked that uh, over the the net easy that went through. Um, then Heat and the Pacers again. I think we both picked the uh, the Heat. What I didn't expect was how easily the Heat just went through the Pacers for zip, uh, but they do look great. 
especially um, then, with what we saw with uh, the Pacers in the run up to the playoffs, especially like TJ Warren and you know those those forty bombs he was dropping. Yeah, but, but he, was he was completely nullified. He was completely nullified during the yeah. series. Heat's a Heat great defense. great team, and I love watching that team. So I mean, and then just just rounding that off, I think we both also got the Celtics over the 76ers correct, uh, which I think was an easy pick, and that 76ers implosion, which we were predicting in any case. Yep. Um, but looking now at the second round, this is where it gets intriguing. Both of these, uh, we picked, I, I picked the Bucks and the Celtics. Uh, you picked the Bucks and the Raptors. At least one of my picks looks more secure than yours, which is the Celtics were doing really well and should hopefully get to the next uh, round, even though. The Raptors won that last game. But the Bucks and the Heat, let's focus on that. Uh, even the run-up to this, when we were predicting this, I said what I felt the biggest uh, sort of challenge the Bucks would face would be the Miami Heat because it just seems like that team has been built specifically to beat the Bucks, And that's also the one team that... So again, in now it's been uh, five games that the Bucks have played the Heat and they've only won once. So I don't know. I'm getting scared. Considering also since I picked the Bucks to win it all, yeah, I think that's that's the biggest reason for uh, for for you feeling scared just because of those heavy sixteen points you get for the winner. But um, like you said, they're they're built to build the uh, break the Bucks, and we spoke about this when we were uh, uh, setting up our bracket as well. You know that for the Bucks to make it to um, the the NBA playoffs, they would potentially have a matchup against the Heat as well as the Raptors. And those two teams are are very well suited to uh, just breaking down that Bucks team, right? And we're seeing it right now. Very surprising um, uh, lead with the Houston, uh, with, with the Miami Heat, especially the first two games. The, the way they won it, it was, I mean, game one was a career game for Jimmy Butler. I think uh, he just destroyed absolutely everything. I mean, the last six minutes, this last five minutes of, of that uh, fourth quarter, Jimmy Butler just basically took the entire game, scored 14 straight points and yeah. it was done. Yeah, the only drawback of that is that there are times when it's that clutch situation and Jimmy Butler does not deliver. And that's what I'm afraid of. If if the Heat are all in on this Jimmy Butler, um, um, just taking that last five minutes and just, just taking the lead there, I think that's going to be a bad situation because we saw it with the Sixers. We saw it with every team he's been on that, you know, he needs to do that basically at least four games a series for like five series straight. And I don't think he has it in him to do that. So a lot of other players from from the Heat need to step up here. But even with Game 2, man, um, one thing that I was really surprised about was the low number of minutes they were making Giannis play. Uh, he only played, I think, 33 minutes in the second game. And it's, it's, it's like you said, it's set up to stop this, to stop this Bucks team, right? Bucks have, they have Giannis, they are the Lopez brothers. So it's not like they lack height. But this Heat team kind of doesn't have a bona fide center. They have Kelly Olenek, but he doesn't get too many minutes. And it's mostly Bam Adebayo with, you know, Jay Crowder sometimes chipping in with that, defending that four or five position. And the way they close the lane to stop that Janis uh, Eurostep, it's just, I, I'm, I think, I was thinking that the finals, Bucks would at least make it to the Eastern finals, if not, uh, if not the champ, if, if not the NBA playoff finals. But this Heat team is going to be a really, really tough series for the Bucks, man. Yeah, I mean, they're already down 2-0. The next game's tonight and hopefully they're able to get that back. If they drop 3-0, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna give up. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised though. I mean, this Heat team's doing really well. Spolstra has... They, they uh, look really good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm super scared. They look really good. I was, I'm re- I really like the team as well, which is why it was, like, there was something in the back of my head that said the Heat might be able to beat the Bucks, which is why I said this would probably be the highest challenge or the biggest challenge. And looks like, uh, 
I'm proving to be a prophet, at least in that respect, yet again. Yeah. But I did say seven games, so the, the Bucks will have a chance to come back and win it. Of course they do. I mean, they always do. And, and you can't count out Giannis. He's, he's an absolute beast. But what I do feel is that if the if the Heat do make it through, right, I don't see them taking it all. For example, like, you know, the team that beats the best team in, in, in the from the regular season, the confidence. Maybe they're, the maybe, maybe they're this season's uh, Toronto Raptors. You never know. Well, I mean, you have to have Stephen Clay and, and Durant all going injured off. I mean, uh, but I don't know. It, it could be it. But we have we have other teams as well, man. We have we have a very stacked roster. I don't think I've seen such a stacked around two onwards where you can't really predict which team is going to go through with like a level of confidence and which team is going to win the the series that comes after. It's it's really weird. Look at look at Celtics and Raptors as well. I mean. I know it's it's two one, but it should ideally be three nil, and that's that's very surprising because I did not expect I did not expect the Raptors to go three nil or or two one down against the Celtics, even though the Celtics is a very very good team. Yeah, I think this one's gonna uh, this this one is something you're gonna regret because you were very it was a very hard decision for you, especially because yeah. you love the Celtics, but you decided to go with the Raptors. Uh, also, I think because I picked the Celtics before, and it looks like that might backfire. <laughs> well, I mean, this team, I, I know what's missing with the Raptors, man. They're doing everything right. They just need Pascal Siakam to be scoring above 20 points, which I think they kind of expected or relied on in their game plans. But uh, the Celtics defense is really clamping down on him and he's not being able to do the damage that they expect him to do. So you can't have Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Beat as your main offensive weapons. I mean, those guys are good. It's good to have them in your team. It's good for... It's good for everything, but you need Pascal Siakam to be scoring at least 20 points, if not more, each game. Otherwise, uh, this this series is going to be a whitewash, according to me. All right. So, I think that does it for our bracket. Uh, so far, I'm doing pretty good. I'm beating you by a decent amount of points. But as we know, as the stakes get higher, there are a lot more points to grab. So, you might still be able to come back. Especially I'm, if the Bucks lose. If the Bucks lose, I'm screwed. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. It's going to be that final 16 points is going to be the decider for uh for who wins the bracket between us and everyone else as well 16 points is huge for calling the final out and you have you put all your money in the bucks basket and well i don't know let's why don't don't i give you a call tomorrow morning after game three and then we'll see where you're at (laughs) anyways yeah that wraps up this episode of airtime hope you guys enjoyed and let us know how you guys are doing with your bracket and uh Given the NBA playoffs and given the games that we've seen, who do you think is going to win or take it all now? And we're going to catch you guys next week where we're going to look into our brackets again, look at all the games that um, have happened. And just like we said at the beginning of this episode, we're absolutely, absolutely relieved that basketball is back. Catch you guys next episode. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.